0: to another edition of the Inside ND Sports Podcast. I'm Tyler James, and I'm joined once again by the one and only Eric Hansen. Together, we cover Notre Dame football, recruiting, and more for InsideNDSports.com on the Rivals Network. Preseason camp is almost here. Notre Dame will hold its first practice on Friday, and we're excited for football to be back in our lives to celebrate the return of football. Rivals is offering a special deal to new subscribers. If you sign up now using the promo code KICKOFF2022, you can get a free trial through the end of August to find a link for the sign up, look for the banner on insidendsports.com or head to either of our Twitter pages. I'm at TJamesND and Eric's at E. HansonND where we've pinned tweets about the promotion. Before we get knee deep in actual football coverage, we have plenty of recruiting topics to cover. So we wanted to chat with our old pal Tom Lemming on today's podcast. Tom recently finished publishing his annual Tom Lemming prep football report after traveling the country to talk to the nation's top recruits Tom thanks for joining us
1: my pleasure Tyler it's uh, good to uh, good to hear from you again
0: of course uh Tom there are a few hot topics to discuss with Notre Dame recruiting right now I wanted to start by talking about the quarterbacks Austin Novasad announced last night that he's sticking with his Baylor commitment and the Irish have moved on to pursuing Kenny Minchie who's committed to Pittsburgh what are your thoughts on Minchie as a prospect
1: Liked him. I thought he was a pretty good prospect. Um, probably, you know, I, you know, he's not in the level of a Dante Moore or even a CJ Carr, but he's got that kind of potential because he's decent size. He's got a good arm. And uh, when I went and saw him, I was impressed with him. I thought he was the best player in that area, uh, but maybe a notch below the other ones. And right now, Notre Dame is doing what they normally do. They scramble for a quarterback, which is hard to believe. You know, being Notre Dame, but uh, they should come up with a number one draft choice every three years instead of every 30 years. But that seems to be what's happened uh, year after year. They can fill out other positions. But uh, and this year with Dante Moore, when I, I've known Dante since his freshman year, his coaches brought him out to meet me every year when I go out there. And I do know that there were signs that he was going to be looking around. Uh, at least his dad wanted him. I thought him and his mom wanted him at Notre Dame, but his dad wanted him. That's exactly what happened in Oregon came in and gave him a better so I, uh, I thought the one mistake they make constantly is not having enough quarterbacks to recruit from the get-go. Jackson Arnold at the time wanted to go to Notre Dame when I saw him right for New Year's when his teammate committed to Notre Dame, but they slow played him. And then when I saw Chris Fezzani down in uh, Birmingham, they slow played him too. And matter of fact, they didn't even talk to them. And the Johnson kid from Kansas, they didn't talk to him the last couple of months. So now they got caught once again, like they almost always do. They have to get their quarterbacks from a uh, committed team, a player that's committed to a team. Ian Book was committed, and uh, Everett Golson was committed, and Brandon Wimbush was committed to other teams. And that's not a good way to recruit. You've got to get on these guys early and stay on them. So I do think that's the one position that'll keep Notre Dame from winning a national title because they're going to be loading up everywhere else, but until they get that elite quarterback, they're always going to fall a little bit short.
2: Tom, in terms of how Notre Dame has approached it since Dante Moore fell out of contention, since he committed to Oregon, do you like the fact that they're kind of going one at a time with trying to flip these guys, or do you think they should be a little bit more aggressive and have a few more options at this point?
1: Well, of course, it's got to be more aggressive because, um, you know, Austin had been committed a long time to Baylor. They showed him a lot of love a year ago. Notre Dame didn't even know who he was, I don't think, back in those days, or at least they knew him, but didn't really pursue him that hard because they were after Jackson Arnold in that same area. So uh, uh, they should have had a bigger group. And like I said, they're doing fantastic recruiting-wise. They got, But at quarterback, they're still struggling. And uh, until they get that worked out, I know Charlie Weiss brought in – uh, Jimmy Clawson and Tyrone brought in Brady Quinn but they kind of failed also once they get to the NFL as great quarterbacks uh, the last great one they had was Steve Berline and uh, Lou Holtz I think 1986 or 87 and uh, that's a, that's too long for Notre Dame who's you know has got a great track record with quarterbacks Heisman Trophy winners and just great all-around quarterbacks and uh, I think they've got to change their philosophy when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks and Zoom in. I think C.J. Carr is the real deal. And I've known C.J. since he was a kid. And um, at least I've known his grandfather for um, 40-something years, uh, Lloyd. And uh, I do think that uh, they've got to change their recruiting philosophy when it comes to quarterbacks. Do what Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, or, or USC, they recruit in abundance, at least five guys. They go and zoom in on the best five. And whatever one's showing them the most love, you can't sometimes get the number one guy that you want. But you got to make sure you get another real good one every year, and that seems to be Notre Dame's big uh, mistake year after year. They go after one guy, and they think they're going to get them. They they made that mistake with running backs a couple of years ago, with the one running back who went to Clemson. They recruited no one else, and then they uh, had a scramble, and that's not good. When you're Notre Dame, you there shouldn't, shouldn't scramble. You should always have another guy just popping right up, like they do at every other position.
2: Well, uh, just following up on that, how realistic? Is it to sell somebody that's a four-star quality quarterback? Well, you've already got C.J. Carr behind you, and you've you've got um, Tyler Buckner ahead of you, and you're just kind of jumping on here in the last minute. I mean, I could see why a three-star kid might be interested in that situation, a low three-star kid, like kind of Brendan Clark was. But, but why would a, a kid that's already committed to a school that, that he likes and, and has a situation to walk into, you know, what, what's the appeal there for him? Notre Dame. And okay. Notre Dame
1: it would be the same appeal with USC, but USC never gets caught um, shorthanded and neither does Alabama and neither does Georgia and neither does Clemson. They always seem to have someone in the pipeline if they're not going to get this guy uh, Notre Dame is in with those groups. Notre Dame is uh, a mythic name really when you talk about college football they they do have everything going for them not just great facilities or uh, they graduate more players than anybody else or a great tradition and putting as many guys into the nfl as they do they've got everything going for them so they should have much better uh, i think much better pipeline when it comes to quarterback and hopefully next year they'll change that although they're getting cj Carr, but you never let up you recruit other people case something happens you know maybe he's- these guys are never done until they commit nowadays with the uh, transfer portal. They're not even there. Once, once you do sign them, they could just bounce a little bit after that. So you always got to make sure you got enough quarterbacks in the pipeline. You don't get caught short, but I do think they can get a four star quarterback um, just because they're Notre Dame and because but they can't get them from maybe an Ohio state or an Alabama, but they can get one from a Pittsburgh uh, uh, and USC proved that getting their best player from Pittsburgh, stealing them away. Hmm. So I do think you can. When you're Notre Dame, you could do a lot more than uh, a lot of people think they can.
0: Tom, are, are there any quarterbacks that Notre Dame hasn't gone after in the 2023 class that you think they should go after?
1: Um, you know what? Um, I would still give a shot to Jackson Arnold since Oklahoma went after his, uh, went after Notre Dame's safety, Bowen. Why don't they go after him? Because when I saw I saw them both together, I even had Rocket Ishmael talk to them at Allen High School. Allen made a speech to my top eight players. I mean, Rocket did. And um, at that time, it looked like Jacksonville was certainly leaning to Notre Dame, but they slow played him because of Dante Moore. So that was a big mistake. They read Dante wrong. And that's also a big mistake. When you're a recruiter, like uh, you've got to read these guys right. And um, even though it looked like he was leaning at Notre Dame. You also got to look at all the other factors that can go into it. Does his dad want him there? Does his coach want him there? Does his mother want him there? Does his seven-on-seven coach want him there? You got to check everything nowadays with these guys, especially at quarterback. And that's why you never want to get caught short-handed like they have been this year. And it's such a great class. It's a great class that's missing its most important piece, a quarterback.
2: Tom, you we're talking about Notre Dame trying to flip guys out of other classes. What about the two kids that took visits this weekend, Keon Keeley to Alabama and Peyton Bowen to a couple places, Oklahoma and Texas A&M? I, I, I think that Notre Dame fans are taken back a little bit that these guys have been committed this long and still don't seem to be settled. What What's your take on this? Is this just the price of doing business with the NIL era and elite prospects that maybe Notre Dame didn't pursue before
1: without a doubt it's it's the NIL uh, uh, season this year and until the NCA does something about it you know I, I've been doing it, like I said almost 44 years cheating's been going on for 100 years <laughs> I, I know and I'm the only person I think in the whole country coach wise or Analyst wise that goes and sees everybody in person in their hometown. So I pick up a lot of things, a lot of smoke signals when it comes to what's going on. And when I talk to kids and their parents and or maybe their coach, because a lot of times now the seven and seven coach wants to be their mouthpiece. When I talk to them, I do get an idea that they're looking uh, for um, a little extra. And now it's legal to get it, I think. And they're talking to a lot of these schools, uh, alumni, which I think is illegal. But that's what's going on. And I, I'm not saying it's happened with um, Bowen or Keeley, but it could be happening. That when they go to these schools, they're telling them, we're going to give you six figures or seven figures if you come. And all that's very enticing. And I can't blame the kid turning it down. A lot of them are, you know, from blue collar backgrounds that uh, all of a sudden this kind of money is being thrown at them. So until it's settled with that, you're always going to have to worry about your elite five star players where these other schools are going to be after him and i think uh what i and like i said i pick up a lot of signals from high school coaches i've heard stories this year that you wouldn't believe about how much money is being thrown around by certain schools again they can't be proven but where there's smoke there's fire when you hear the same kind of story from different people and obviously notre dame doesn't do anything illegal so that could hurt them in the long run when it comes to their top players as i travel along particularly a lot of the guys in the um, a lot of this is going on, so even if they commit, you, you can't be sure until you actually sign them. You might see some switches and what's going on until the NCA gets a hold, and maybe uh, sanctions some schools for cheating, because uh, obviously it's going on. But um, how do they prove it? If it's cash being handed out, or promises of cash, how do you prove that? Because it's in the air as soon as it's said. And if it's cash, unless what I think could happen in a couple of years, this disgruntled players and may have gotten some money, but the promises weren't kept. They may come out and say, hey, these guys did this, this, and that. That normally does happen, but it'll take another couple of years before it does. And uh, before the the NCAA should have been in front of this from the beginning, but they weren't. So they're uh, a day late and a dollar short once again.
0: Tom, do you do you think Keon Keely is, is the best recruit in Notre Dame's class currently?
1: There's a lot of good ones. I really like him, yes. And he's a great kid. I've seen him several times now. And, uh, I saw him as a sophomore junior. He's at a real good school. His coach is from the Chicago area where I grew up. And um, uh, yes, I think he could be like a Ross Browner type. He's that kind of dynamic type pass rushing defensive end that Notre Dame has lacked on uh, a consistent basis. And uh, he could be good. Both Bowens are outstanding. They got so many good players in this class. Uh, Harry Heaston did a great job with the offensive line. The wide receiver coach has become a big recruiting star now. I mean, look at how much trouble they had getting great wide receivers. They always got the big kind of lumbering type guy who could catch anything but had trouble running. Now he's bringing in guys that can run and catch, and they're a good size, too. So I would say that um, the running the wide receiver coach has become a star right away. Marcus is one of the great recruiters nationally, obviously. Al Golden's got a great recruiting reputation. Uh, so I just see nothing but great days ahead for Notre Dame as soon as they get their quarterback situation worked out. and. Also, if they can hang on to their great players, if they lose them, it's not their fault. It's just the kind of money that's being thrown around is awfully too tough. And it's very enticing for these players to turn down. Uh, and again, until the NCAA gets a grip on it, Notre Dame will be one of those schools that'll be suffering.
2: Tom, uh, if we were going to try to guess, then maybe the next three guys to be added to the class, we know Jaden Osbury has a, uh, Decision date coming up this week on Thursday, I believe. Uh, Ben Minnick is close to announcing a decision. The safety from Ohio, and then uh, uh, the running back from Kansas. What's his name, Tyler? Dylan Edwards. Dylan Edwards. Uh, I want to call him Donovan Edwards, who's up in Michigan, but <laughs> I Dylan haven't. Edwards. Um. What's your assessment? If Notre Dame gets those three, what's your assessment of those three players as additions to this? Yeah, they, class?
1: I believe they're going to get all three. Jayden Osborne, I went down, you know, his school is on the campus of LSU. So for stealing an outstanding player, he's built more like a strong safety. You know, not have great linebacker side, but he can hit, he can run. He's better than his brother. And um, when you go to the university lab, their stadium is directly across the street from Tiger State of LSU. You usually don't lose that school although Dylan Moses transferred to IMG and then he was up for grabs whenever you go to IMG you're always up for grabs but um he uh he's from that school too so but most of them will wind up at a sort of a uh, minor league for them so getting Osbury is another slap Notre Dame can give Brian Kelly because uh, that's a major catch for them he's an outstanding athlete Notre Dame fans are going to love him Dylan Edwards I met him last September he came drove all the way to madison wisconsin to meet me during a big tornado era thing because their game was called mm-hmm. it came out anyway he's not that big but he's one of the more exciting backs I've seen in the country and if Notre Dame could get him he'll be the big surprise of the class because when you look at a little guy like that I think is not much but look at his production watch him on film his vision and balance and his explosiveness is outstanding I'm not saying he's as good as Barry Sanders but I went to see Barry in w- Wichita So, and uh, both of these guys are almost a similar size and similar type of ability in high school. Uh, So he's another big guy. And Ben Minnick I saw a year ago when he only had three Mac conference offers and not even Mac always like Youngstown state. One was I think Miami, Ohio, one was Toledo. And I liked him a lot. I didn't think Notre Dame would go after him until he ran a 10, 400 meters and that opened a lot of eyes and anybody that could run that fast because he's a good ball player. You just didn't know he had that kind of, four, four speed or four, three, nine speed. So he's another big catch. And I believe Notre is going to wind up with him. So again, it adds to another great class. They won't wind up number one because I know how the internet sites uh, you, you guys excluded, <laughs> but what happens is once a guy commits, they'll start moving up guys that are uncommitted and um, with points, because everything's arbitrary with those points they give these kids. So it's going to be a great class, no matter where they finish. Alabama will probably wind up number one. But Notre Dame's still going to have one of those great classes that they haven't had since the um, Brady Quinn year, which I thought was with number. I had number one class, and even had Greg Olson in that class, and they almost got Joe Thomas in that class. But it was an outstanding one.
0: Tom Notre Dame's also recruiting running back Jeremiah Love out of the St. Louis area, I, and it, potentially Notre Dame could end up with three running back commitments. I don't know if they'll all end up playing running back um, with, with Jaden Lamar. Dylan Edwards and Jeremiah love what, what would you think of Notre Dame being able to pull like a trio like that together in a class
1: I was down there at his school Jeremiah love school a couple of months ago and because uh, big time players in two classes and uh, they got a real big time player again next year and I really liked him the coach was you know we're talking about he'd be a great get, get for the running back coach however he's the kind of guy too that some of these schools with the NIL stuff is going to come after him so you got to be careful with that Uh, when it looks like Notre Dame might get them and all of a sudden an NIL school will come in and steal them away. So you got to be, but he's a big time running back and be great to add with Dylan Edwards and uh, and, and, and Jaden up in uh, uh, Seattle. So I do think that uh, they're all, when you look at the coaches at Notre Dame, what a difference from Kelly's uh, staff, these guys, and I think a lot of it has to do with Marcus being such a great recruiter. And making sure these guys are, because, you know, I remember I always was complaining for the past 30 years with Notre Dame. They had a lot of lazy coaches, coaches, guys that figured out. I remember they had one quarterback coach and I was coaching the pros and the NFL as a head coach. And he didn't do anything as a recruiter. He knew he was there for one year. He was going to be moving to the NFL, did nothing. And you can't have guys like that on your staff. You have got to have guys that they, they work as hard in recruiting as they do coaching. And that's how Alabama and Ohio state and Georgia and LSU and Southern Cal now and Oklahoma are able to stay up there at the top of year in and year out. Kelly was a good coach. They recruited good ball players, but not the impact guys can win a national title, particularly at quarterback. So let's hope Tyler Buckner can get developed because he's got great ability, but he has not been developed as a passer yet. And that's the
2: Tom last one from me. What's what's next here for Notre Dame after maybe they get some commitments in August. I mean, does the focus then, shift to um, 2024 guys? Is that really gonna be the focus when we get into the season?
1: Focus, well, has always been on 2024. They've already been offering a lot of the guys and talking to, but I think the focus will be in maintaining the class and keeping the NIL programs away from uh, their top recruits. That has to be the main focus, staying with these guys, which they'll do. Uh, although I don't know if there's a whole lot you can do if there's a lot of money being offered to the ball player. Um, if you're able to keep them. And I, and like I said, I understand the ballplayers coming from if they're from a rather poor family and all that money's being thrown at them. Uh, it, they're being used by a lot of the, uh, people that aren't supposed to be doing it. You know, it's coaches can talk to them, but a lot of the alumni of other schools now have been what I hear traveling around the country have been working on a lot of the top players. So it'll be interesting to follow all the way up to signing day in mid December. If uh, Notre Dame could keep Keely, if they could keep Bowen away from some of the, uh, some those other programs. So we'll have to wait and see. And I thought it was ironic where the Oklahoma head coach was talking about how he's real upset about schools coming after players while Peyton Boeing was on campus visiting. <laughs> All of this is is laughable and it's funny to watch. And it's been, uh, however, like I said, I've been doing it since the late 70s and there was no NIL stuff. There was just a lot of cheating going on. I was part of, uh, when I traveled down Tim Brown, if people don't remember, was committed to SMU. When I went down to Dallas to see him, he was an SMU commit. Jay Robertson, a coach at Notre Dame, finally turned him around, but only because the NCAA announced more sanctions that were going to be happening. They're investigating SMU. And that's how Notre Dame won won their last, uh, were able to get their last Heisman Trophy winner. So it's been going on for years. It's just a different way to give these kids money.
0: Tom, as I mentioned, as we introduced you, the, you recently got uh, your Tom Lemming Prep Football report hit the hit the printers, and it will be hitting heading into people's laps uh, soon. How how can folks get a, get a hold of one if they have not purchased one yet?
1: Thirty pages about everybody. Everybody that Notre Dame's recruiting is in it with big profiles and everything else because I've seen every one of Notre names recruits in person. But then just go to Tom and they can see how they order there and then uh, go on to Twitter, which is uh, the name of my TV show, the Lemming Report. So it's at Lemming Report. But for the magazines, either way, but TomLemmingFootball.com, we'll get them right in.
0: All right, Tom, well, that's all we have for you. We really appreciate you taking time to talk to us, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon.
1: Sounds great, guys. Take care.
0: All right, now it's time for Place Your Bets. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? This is our segment dedicated to the degenerates. Let's make some prop bets for the start of Notre Dame football's preseason camp. First one I have for us, Eric, is Will Notre Dame name a starting quarterback before or after August 14th?
2: Well, I tried to base it on when we are scheduled to talk to Marcus, and I suppose they could do it with, uh, you know, in the desert with actors and uh, with the Golics and stuff. <laughs> um, but The days are August 5th, August 13th, and August 18th that we're supposed to talk to Marcus. Based on that, I think it's going to be August 18th. I I don't think it's going to be before August 14th. I think it'll be a couple weeks in the camp before they officially name Tyler Buckner the starter.
0: Yeah, I I tend to agree. I I think it will be after. I, I get the sense that Marcus Freeman wants to play coy a little bit heading into this Ohio State game. Um, which I think has something to do with the fact that we're only getting to see two full practices when uh, under Brian Kelly, we would get as many as five sometimes. So uh, I think uh, Notre Dame is going to try to do its best to keep things under wraps. Although I think anyone that, that follows Notre Dame's program will, will ha- I mean, the I mean, there's film on both Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine from last season. So I think Ohio state will be prepared either way, but Um, I don't think that Notre Dame wants to show its hand too much um, leading up to the season opener.
2: Well, I also think they want to um, show, have the team see who's having the better camp, you know, with reps and pads and stuff like that. Sure. Just so that everybody's clear who the number one quarterback is. All right. Next one is over
0: under three and a half recruiting references in Marcus Freeman's Friday press conference by
2: him, by him. Yes. Um, I'm going to go slightly under. I do. I know that he mentions it a lot and he'll be asked about it a lot. Um, But if it's just him, I I think it's going to be like two or three. So I'll go under. Yeah, I'm going to go over. I think he works
0: a lot of things back into recruiting when he's talking about things. So I think that will make its way into the conversation plenty of times. Um, I I mean, a a lot of it depends on sort of what he's prompted to talk about, but I I do think that um, it will be a pretty prevalent narrative um, throughout Friday's press conference. So I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with you over next over under seven and a half Ohio state references in
2: Freeman's Friday press conference. Well, again, by by Freeman, I think it's going to be under. If it's a certain reporter, I think it's going to be way over. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm I'll, I'll settle with the under. I think we're gonna. A lot of us are going to be asking questions that are a little bit more narrow in focus, and not so much geared to that game. Uh, from the standpoint of summer development and um injuries and depth chart battles which it would seem you know uh we're not going to be at, asking about ohio state's online classes for example so <laughs> or, or, or the value of my degree <laughs> yeah I, i'm going to go under as well
0: i, I think I, that's something i think that marcus freeman is going to try to avoid talking about unless sort of like asked to um, I don't think he's going to mention Ohio state much just because of some of the <laughs> responses to things that he said about Ohio state previously. Um, so I, I think he's going to try to avoid uh, poking the bear as much as he has already. So I, I, I will go under. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not me personally, I'm not concerned about Ohio state going into Friday's press conference. There's plenty of questions about Notre that Notre Dame has to answer about itself before it, uh, we can, we can sort of get into the, the details of what it's going to do against Ohio state. Next one, who will be the starting safety next to Brandon Joseph in the first practice?
2: That's a good one. Um, I think when we kind of left off in the spring, I think DJ Brown had the edge there. I think Ramon Henderson is probably the second most talented safety beyond uh, Brandon Joseph. So for me, it gets down to those two. And maybe just because of seniority, I'll go with DJ Brown in that case.
0: Yeah. I'm in agreement there too. I I, I think it'll be DJ Brown. I, I mean, they did some things interesting in the spring. I mean, even Brandon Joseph wasn't necessarily the first guy at, at safety in the spring. I, I'm, I guess I'm assuming that, that that will be the case in the fall yeah. uh, or it, it, on Friday. Uh, so I think, uh I think it will be him and DJ Brown, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was any sort of combination of guys, because I think there's going to be a lot of rotation there and a lot of guys are probably going to play at the safety
2: position. Right. And what you were talking about in the spring for the people who don't remember is they would rotate ones and twos. They'd rotate pairs. They wanted all the safeties to learn both positions. And so we saw different combinations every day that we were allowed to.
0: (laughs) And then lastly, who will make the first interception in the first practice?
2: You know, Brandon Joseph would be the the obvious choice. I think it's probably going to be somebody on the twos that get the first interception. So I'm, you know, because I think Drew Pine will get picked off before Tyler (laughs) Buckner does. So I'm going to go with Jaden Mickey. Okay. I I, I gave some
0: serious thought to Jaden Mickey. I'm I'm going with Tariq Bracey. I think uh we saw him make some plays in the spring and I think he's in a good position uh to have a, a good camp. Um and I, I especially if he's playing nickelback, I don't think that there are a lot of nickelbacks or slot receivers that Notre Dame will be using that will have clear advantages over him. Um now maybe if they line up Lorenzo Styles in the slot, there's uh I think Notre Dame would like that matchup offensively. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Tariq Bracey. He seems to have Developed a bit of a knack for the football late in his career. So that's sort of my sleeper pick there. All right, now it's time for questions. Our question segment is powered by AcrePro Midwest Farm Group. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group are your local farmland specialists. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. You can submit questions to us on Twitter or the Insider Lounge message board before every podcast. I'm at TJamesND and Eric's at E. First question we have is from at Charles W. Wolfe which player has the most to prove
2: in fall camp? Well, I think I'm looking at it through two different lenses. The first would be in terms of the team's bottom line for the season. I think Tyler Buckner has the most to prove because he wasn't in position to show that last year. So he's going to have to show he's a complete quarterback and that he can, you know, handle these big moments. He, he had some big moments last year. He just didn't have, gameful of them um and then as far as probably traditionally what he's asking about um in terms of a depth chart battle kind of thing i think Deion colsey has the most to prove um you know i've heard lots of big rumblings from lots of different people on both sides of the ball about tobias merriweather um jayden thomas had a better spring than Deion colsey at some point, Joe Wilkins is going to be back. Deion Colsey has the body. He has the um skill set to be a starter, and, and he's going to have to prove that in August.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're... I may have cheated off your answers. I, I have the same thing. The way the way I sort of framed it was Tyler Buckner. I, I don't know that he has the most to prove to the coaching staff, although I'm sure they they do want to see him continue to improve. I almost feel like... Uh, to me uh, or the the collective media or Notre Dame fans. I think Tyler Buckner may be the person that may have the most to prove because he just hasn't been able to, to do that or show that enough yet. And obviously being, being a, the potential starting quarterback, there's, there's a lot of weight there. Um, and then like, I sort of talked about, De- I, I imagine Deion Colsey being the guy that has the most to prove to the coaching staff. Like there's opportunity there. Um, but he hasn't necessarily taken advantage of that yet. Um, and so there will be that opportunity again, this preseason, and we will see where he sort of lands in the pecking order of, of Notre Dame's wide receiver group, because the list of receivers isn't very long. Um, but he, he didn't, he certainly didn't end spring, um, at the top of that list because there, there are, there are a number of guys that were outperforming him and, uh, I think uh, it'll be fascinating to see where he's at this, this fall, because I think the potential is there. It's just a matter of if he's developing to be able to maximize that sooner rather than later. Next set of questions is from Marie Biafore at Biafore underscore Marie. I know publicly it's being said there is a quarterback battle. Do you feel privately Notre Dame has pretty much decided on Tyler Buckner due to his high ceiling? How will the reps be split during fall camp? And when do you think they will announce
2: privately and then publicly who the starter is? Okay, I hope I don't forget any parts of those questions. I think um, I think they know Tyler Buckner is going to be the quarterback, uh, but they would like to have, again, when I mentioned in the place your bets segment, uh, that uh, they need to have the whole team see it. They need to have them see it. For a little over a week and then I think that they can make an announcement I do think they'll make the announcement privately first they don't want the quarterbacks to hear about it in their <laughs> press conference and <laughs> right see us tweeting it out so uh how will the reps be distributed I think early on um pretty evenly and I think beyond that not not skewed too far beyond evenly because I think Drew Pine has to be in a position to help this team win games in case there's an injury. Um, and, you know, Tyler Buckner got hurt a couple times last year. I, I think the best case scenario is having two players that can help you win games, but only using one of them when you need to.
0: Yeah. I, I think the preference is certainly for Tyler Buckner to be the starter. I mean, it, there's, there is a scenario that he falls on his face in the first couple of weeks of camp and, Drew Pine balls out uh to start camp and I I think Notre Dame wouldn't be against naming Drew Pine the, the starter and, and him winning the job um and, that, and that's part of the reason why that the reps will be sp- split I believe pretty evenly early in camp um the day I I I've sort of I, like we mentioned earlier I'm I'm kind of in agreement with you in terms of when the the quarterback will be named starter my my guess that it would probably be decided by August 20th or so Uh, the 19th is that second full practice viewing that we'll get Um, and they might try to conceal it then, but I think they will at least know it. I think it'd be harder to conceal it from us at at that point of, of the preseason practice and getting so close to um, game preparation that they want to sort of have that sort of ironed out and, and ready to go. So we'll see. I mean, it's anyone's guess. I, I, I was, I mean, it's Marcus Freeman as the head coach this year, opposed to Brian Kelly. Um, I, I thought they they sort of named Jack Cone the starter quicker than I than I would have um, anticipated last last season. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know if that was Brian Kelly's preference or Tommy Reese's preference necessarily. So we'll see what how that goes this year. And if it's if it's Tommy Reese's uh, opinion in terms of when they want to announce that or, or what sort of role Marcus Freeman will have in sort of deciding how they want to share that information, both internally and externally next question is from Cheryl Russo at Cheryl R bunch of numbers do you feel confident
2: about this year's receiving crew ability yes health history no
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that's pretty fair I I, I don't know that I w- I can't say that I'm confident I'm intrigued by them I I, I believe there's potential b- between. Uh, Lorenzo Styles and, and Avery Davis and Braden Lindsey and then a, a boundary receiving re- receiver emerging whether it's Jaden Thomas, Deanne Colsey, or Tobias Merriweather or um, multiples of those guys. I, I think that could be a solid group, but I, it's it's too hard to say that going into the season that you're confident that that's going to happen and that they're going to be a reliable group, a playmaking group. Um, there's just too many question marks there um, with too many guys that have a history have, that don't have a history of being able to do it at this level um, to, to feel terribly confident. I I mean, I think, I think it can happen. Um, I just, I would, I wouldn't be staking my reputation on it or putting any sort of significant amount of money on it either.
2: Well, that's the place your bets. I I, I think one thing that helps all the receivers though, is having Michael Mayer on the team because defensive coordinators need to make decisions about how they're going to try to take him away or mitigate him. And that's going to open some things up for these wide receivers. Yeah, I definitely agree
0: with that. Next question is from SJB 75 on the Insider Lounge. Will the two of you be in Columbus September 3rd? And as we sit here today, 32 days out, which side of the football for Notre Dame are you most intrigued to watch that night, defense or offense?
2: Yes, we will be in Columbus, as will Kyle Kelly. Um, And in terms of which side of the ball, in that particular game I'm more intrigued with and probably all through the month of the September, it's the offense. Yeah. Um, I, the defense certainly has an incredible challenge with CJ Stroud and all those receivers, but, uh, um, offenses where, you know, the, the side of the ball, I, I'm confident the defense is going to be really good this year. Um, I'm not as confident in how the offense is going to come together, although they have some good pieces. I just want to see how quickly that it comes together.
0: Yeah. To, to me, it's not really even that close. It's offense without a doubt with Tyler Buckner, the running game, how good is the offensive line? Are the wide receivers able to make plays? And uh, you, you could, you could, you could list things on and on. I mean, and then, and then also sort of, I think it's also reflective of what that means for the rest of the season. I, I, Notre Dame could struggle defensively against Ohio State's offense and I wouldn't say, well, this this defense isn't very good. I would just say, well, Ohio State's offense is really good um that I, I would be confident in saying even before the 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 season opener, let alone if they tear up Notre Dame's defense. So I, I just think that's why so many eyes will be on the offense because it's it's not only of okay, what where is this offense at? I think it will be play a big role in like, okay, what does this season look like for Notre Dame. Um, because the offense, I think, is probably the key to
2: Notre Dame reaching its its potential this season. And, and to a certain extent, next season. I mean, it, it it's not that Tyler Buckner couldn't improve in 2023 if he's okay in 2022. But if he's way better than okay in 2022, it also bodes well for 2023. Because CJ Carr doesn't get here until at this point, 2024. Right. Uh, And I also think you could extend it to Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese has a lot of, uh, he has a lot of power, I guess, is the best way to say it for an offensive coordinator. I mean, Marcus Freeman is really trusting him. So this is, this is going to be a very revealing year about Tommy Reese. And if, you know, he does very well, probably won't be at Notre Dame for very long. If he doesn't do well, that also says something.
0: Yeah, no, I think those those are fair points. Tommy Reese has has a lot of power, a lot of expectations around him, Um, and I I think I I feel like I've said this a few times. I think his sort of his his legacy at Notre Dame as a coach will be defined by how good of a quarterback Tyler Buckner is and what what Notre Dame does in quarterback recruiting in the twenty twenty three class, and um, the latter half of that hasn't hasn't gone. Gone time it reached his way so far. Next question is from RRH1 on the Insider Lounge. Do you think Brian Dowd can pull off punting and playing soccer for Notre Dame this
2: fall? He shouldn't have to. Um, You know, Bryce McPherson uh, should, and and John Sott should, between the two of them, Bryce is a freshman coming in, came in in June, and John is a transfer, walk-on transfer they came in also in June. I think between the two of them, they should be able to come up with somebody that can be a reliable punter. So I think Dowd could, um, uh, concentrate on a soccer career. Yeah.
0: I, I haven't done any reporting on this. I I was sort of under the assumption that he was just helping out in the spring because they, did, they didn't have Bryce McPherson or John Sott yet. Uh, and, uh, he, I, my understanding he was the primary goalkeeper for the soccer team last season. So I'd imagine that would be the same going into this season. I don't know what his scholarship situation is, but if he was, if he's on a a soccer scholarship, then he has to become a football scholarship player if he's playing football Um, and Notre Dame isn't necessarily looking to add scholarship players to its roster right now. So I I don't really know how all that would work out. So my guess is not, I mean, I, I would, I I certainly could be proven wrong there, and, and we'll, we'll have, have an answer to that sooner rather than later. It hasn't been something that has been at the top of mind for me, um, but I, I think uh, Notre Dame is is looking for Bryce McPherson and John Sott to sort of be the punters of consequence for Notre Dame this season. Next question is from Ryan Urquhart. Um, At Urkerhart CRNA, I'm probably butchering that name. So Ryan, please let me know after you hear this, (laughs) how to properly say your name for future reference. At what point does Notre Dame get serious about NIL money for the premier recruits if in the next few weeks or months that we find out that Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen have decommitted for huge NIL deals elsewhere? We already lost Dante Moore primarily for NIL, right?
2: Okay, so I'll answer the last part of that. Yes, I think NIL was a factor in Dante Moore not ending up at Notre Dame. Um, And and also him dragging out his um, recruitment uh, when it looked like he was letting Notre Dame know that he he was coming to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is serious about NIL. They're just not serious about breaking the rule of NIL and offering guarantees. So... What Notre Dame has to convince the recruits of is, hey, look, you come to Notre Dame and you're going to get NIL money. We just can't offer it to you, give you a guarantee that this is the amount that you're going to get because it's supposed to be based on your name, image, and likeness. You're supposed to do something for it, not just breathe. And, um, you know, the, the thing about it is that these kids that are getting offered NIL money at other schools they are the ones that are going to have to bear most of the consequences the NCAA isn't going to put schools on probation they're going to if they do get any teeth they're going to penalize the kids and and it's interesting to me because I think it's not always the kid that's driving the NIL money thing it's sometimes the families so I think that's um, going to be an interesting dynamic to watch but it makes me feel icky and dirty, um, and, and as Tom said, cheating's been going on since for a hundred years, which is longer than he's been alive. Um, so, um, but Notre Dame keeps adding resources to make NIL a reality, and maybe it takes a year for kids to see that play out, and maybe the 2024 cycle is different, where they say, "Hey, look, I don't need a guarantee; I can go to Notre Dame." And I'm going to get nil money, especially if I'm as good as I think I am.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame's method is more like requires more of a proof of concept than some of these deals that are being brokered by um, what are they What are they calling the the Collectors. collectives? Uh, the collectives that are operating essentially on behalf of a football programs um, and and s- setting up deals with recruits. Notre Dame doesn't have that operating right now. There aren't collectives that are recruiting on behalf of Notre Dame. And uh, if it's, if it's legal, I mean, a lot of it is probably not legal, although there's very little, seemingly very little consequence to it. Um, If it's legal, those collectives should be operating independently of the university and without guarantees um, for coming to that university and, I mean, there's all kinds of intricacies, which I don't think a lot of people understand. I mean, when they're saying, does Notre Dame need to get serious? It's like, well, Notre Dame can't be the ones getting serious about this. That's not how this works. It's it's Notre Dame's boosters that would have to get serious if they want to start brokering deals with recruits. Um, now, Notre Dame could be nudging people and saying, hey, you guys should start considering doing this. Or they could be telling people, we don't want you to do that. Um, so I don't I don't know what would happen if, if someone decided that they wanted to do that. And, and dip into that water and become the John Ruiz of, of Notre Dame's uh, collective Um, John Ruiz being the the person behind a lot of Miami's NIL stuff. Um, So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways it can go. I think Notre Dame has established proof of concept and sort of like in terms of what Kyle Hamilton was able to do with NIL deals. Obviously the offensive line was big on getting NIL deals. There have been a number of players that have done different things. Whether it's selling merchandise or um, promoting things on social media, there's a number of different um, avenues which aren't necessarily as lucrative as some of these reported deals. Which, to me, <laughs> to me, a lot of these reported deals, I I would I would bet a decent amount of money that the the numbers that are being reported and and speculated about that amount of money will never make it into the, the the recruits hands. It just, it's just not going to, every, everything is overinflated. So everyone sounds better. Um, that's just the, what the world that we live in. Uh, everyone wants to make their, the, their, their deal sound like it's the best one. ever. When there's no way to prove it's actually happening or the money's being transferred or that, that the deal will be followed to what is being expressed. So I, I just think certainly what Notre Dame is a step what Notre Dame donors have established in, in the fund, is something that is being executed at Notre Dame. And that is that that requires students at Notre Dame student athletes to apply, um, to get an NIL deal, um, to get some money and work with a charity. And, and if you, if you have any social media, if you follow social media at all with, with some of Notre Dame's top players within the football program, women's basketball program, men's basketball program, I think Nate Lashevsky recently tweeted about working with some someone I don't remember if it was the uh food bank or something like that but cam hard has tweeted about it Isaiah Fosky Michael Mayer's done stuff with the YMCA all of those are being backed by Notre Dame's fund program and so those kids are getting money from the fund I don't know how much I don't know if Notre if fund is going to disclose that those amounts at some point um and they don't necessarily have to if if the if they if Notre Dame can say hey this is what's being done with our current students, they can't guarantee the coaches themselves can even say, Hey, this is what's happening for Isaiah Foskey right now. We can't guarantee that's going to happen for you. But these are the kinds of things that are available to Notre Dame student athletes once they get to Notre Dame. So, so that is how Notre Dame is currently operating or how NIL is sort of operating around Notre Dame and Notre Dame is doing it within the confines of what it believes is the correct way and the, the most legal way to do this right now. So It's tough for it might be tough for kids to see, well, how do I know that this is going to pan out for me if if someone is saying, hey, you just you just say you're committed to this school and we're going to write up a deal that gets you $100,000 or $600,000 or a million dollars in the future um, that that can be hard to turn down. So I I think Notre Dame is certainly aware of what's going on and isn't blind to it, um, but it has sort of chosen this path of this is how it wants to operate um, and it believes that what it can offer with those NIL packages what are what it is what it is offering in terms of the value of an education at Notre Dame and the value of being trained as a Notre Dame football player to potentially get to the NFL can trump whatever uh, whatever a million dollar offer you're getting from somewhere else that hey w- w- a Notre Dame degree is worth more than a million dollars in the long run too so um that that's that's sort of how Notre Dame is is handling things and i don't i mean we'll have to see how it, how it pans out in the long run with with these recruiting battles and how they continue to develop all right next question is from jeremy bonk at jbonk 1212 any news on kian keely or peyton bowen since they took visits now that nova Sad is staying at baylor any update on minchie who else might they target at quarterback and he threw in avery johnson as a question mark
2: okay tyler you may be more up to date i'll take a shot at um let's talk about the the two players that took visits we we mentioned them in our earlier segment keon Keeley went to alabama um from what it sounds like this won't be the last visit somewhere else that he's taken uh, his mom was quoted in a story um that uh, they're going to maybe look at a couple other schools in the fall um whether they're unofficial or official visits is where it gets kind of testy because Notre Dame has drawn the line at not taking official visits. Um, and those are paid visits. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. As of now, he did not decommit. There were some people, um, in Alabama's beat that speculated that he might be a quick flip. It didn't happen at this point. So I guess that's a good sign. Peyton Bowen visited both Oklahoma and Texas A&M. Again, he came out of that without decommitting. Uh, there's optimism, I think, at those places that he could eventually end up there. But I, I don't think anybody knows right now. I don't even know that Peyton knows, but uh, um, it's his has been pretty consistent, him looking around from the start. You know, Keon Keeley has been – uh, not taking visits as many visits as Peyton Bowen has. Peyton's going to have frequent flyer miles and frequent driver miles at some point. So, Tyler, where where do you stand? And we can answer the rest of the question later.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame believes it can still hold on to them, and they remain committed to those those recruits will remain committed to the Irish. But to me, as long as those kids continue to make visits elsewhere, it's hard to feel very confident in that now. I mean, they can continue to make visits and still end up signing with Notre Dame and all of the worry about that could be for naught. I mean, I still think the worry is justified regardless of if they end up signing with Notre Dame and Notre Dame is aware of the amount of effort it needs to make in sort of keeping these guys committed to their class. Um, the official visit discussion has been going on for months now. Like, hey, we don't we we don't want you making official visits elsewhere. If, if that's going to happen, we're going to start looking for other options to fill your spot. Um, because that's what that's what Notre Dame wants to do. That's the the sort of policy they put in place. Now, I what the I mean the mechanics of how that works is like okay, if, if the minute Keon Keeley makes an official visit somewhere else, is he officially no longer a Notre Dame commit? I mean, it's <laughs> then it's like okay, what what makes a commitment anyways? Whether or not someone considers it's a commitment or what he says is a commitment. Who knows? I mean, commitments commitments are pretty flimsy as is. There's nothing that binds a kid to to going to a school when he makes a commitment other than what he's what he's telling people about what he plans to do. Um, so it's uh it's certainly something that's going to be worth monitoring. And, and Notre Dame has been continuing to monitor it, and it's not something that is is new or surprising. I, I I think Notre Dame was hopeful that this sort of phase of those of the recruitments for both of those recruits had sort of ended. Um, and it, it clearly has not yet. Um, and so we'll see what happens this fall and, and Notre Dame has to be prepared um, for those guys to continue to make visits elsewhere, because that's sort of the pattern. I mean, Keon Keely had sort of stopped doing that. He, I think his previous three or four visits before this Alabama visit were to Notre Dame. So it looked like Notre Dame may be in the clear there. Now I think they were certainly aware that these schools aren't stopping talking to Keon Keely, um, just because you hadn't visited anywhere recently. But um, I, I think uh, – th- I don't think these recruitments are over yet. Notre Dame doesn't think they're over yet either, um, and they're going to still have to keep pushing for them and, and keep reminding them why they committed to Notre Dame in the first place and and continue to prove to them that this is where they want to be. As for the quarterback situation, Notre Dame's working to get Kenny Minchie on campus for a game this season. Um I think Notre Dame could circle back for Avery Johnson, but I haven't heard any indication that he, they would do so. Brock Glenn was the other quarterback that I'd heard Notre Dame was poking around on, but he committed to Ohio State just the other day. So that seems unlikely that there would be any movement there. Um, so, I mean, just in short, there's there's still plenty more work, work ahead at the quarterback position for Notre Dame, which we sort of discussed with Tom Lemming earlier. So um, the last thing I want to say is if, if you are subscribed to us on Inside Indy Sports, um, Kyle Kelly has been covering this well on our site and the Insider Lounge message board. You will get that information sooner than you would ever get it on any of our podcasts. Um, so I would encourage people who listen to the podcast who aren't subscribed to do so. And and like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, there is a free trial running through August that you can do so to give us a shot. Next question is from Irish I, and actually I believe this is our last question, Irish I twelve on the Insider Lounge. With the continual drama of Keely and Bowen and a lack of options at quarterback in the 23 class, has Notre Dame been too slow to react in expanding their board for quarterback, edge rusher, and safety?
2: Okay, let's take each of those. I think they were too quick to contract their board with quarterback. I think they, and and Tom Lemming mentioned this, and I agree with him in the first segment, that uh, they've zeroed in on Dante Moore, too quickly and didn't um didn't hold on to jackson arnold and christopher vizina long enough i i I, there's a limit to how long they could have done that um and again they misread dante Moore, but i i think they narrowed the field too quickly um and now you know i think them kind of going one at a time with these guys seems to make the most sense i mean if you offered four or five of them uh how are you going to build enough of a relationship kind of microwave that process enough where they might be interested enough in flipping um the others were edge rusher and safety you you know with edge rusher notre dame was able to expand um their board and and recently and um I think that they've played the the edge rusher card pretty well. They still have Samuel Mapemba as a possibility that could could be added late in the cycle. He's not going to make his decision for a while. Um so and and when you look at the class, it, it let's say they lost Keon Keely. I mean, Treori is technically an outside player. Um I, I think Notre Dame would recover there well. I mean Losing a player of the caliber of Keelan, Keely would hurt, but from a pure number standpoint, it doesn't hurt. From quality standpoint, it does. And then in safety, I think they've done the right thing there. You know, They got involved with Ben Minnick when they were not sure that they could reel in Caleb Downs, and they weren't able to do that. And they were realistic, but they took a shot at him and probably finished closer in that sweepstakes than a lot of people thought they could have uh, with a guy like that. So, uh, I think they, uh, the, where my critique is was with quarterback. I think with the other two positions they've done well.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, to me, they're the, the, the three different positions are not necessarily similar conversations at all. Um, I think safety is probably the one they've handled the best. Notre Dame has been going for a third safety throughout the recruiting process. It moved on from Caleb Downs and targeted Ben Minnick, like you mentioned, Before that, the staff was pursuing Malik Hartford as a safety. Ronan Hannafin has been considered a a potential safety at times. Um, So they have not left themselves short on safety options. Um, And uh, so I I think they've they've handled the safety recruiting pretty well. Um, Obviously, you'd prefer to get someone like Caleb Downs as the number one safety in the class, but
2: uh, it it just didn't work out that way. Um, I think it's also a position they could jump into the portal and add a, a body if they needed to for depth for next year
0: yeah and I, I mean they're not they're not exactly light on safety There, we're, we're we're there's a lot of safety options on the team right now um and so i, I think uh sort of like with edge rusher i don't think there's they're dying for edge rushing numbers but obviously they're not going to find someone as talented as keon Keeley um to add to the class if he doesn't stick um obviously samuel impenba is someone that is in that sort of conversation um and and they're continuing to pursue him i, I don't think that Notre Dame was necessarily turning away any meaningful edge rushers that wanted to come to Notre Dame um, prior to the current situation. Notre Dame had made the decision to prioritize a defensive tackle for, for a fifth spot previously, that being Jason Moore on the defensive line. Um, I think we may start to see that shift to a defensive end potentially um, as as the, the recruiting cycle progresses. Um, I think Notre Dame is going to weigh its options there. Um, and I, and I think it isn't that doesn't necessarily mean that they believe Keon Keeley is a lost cause or anything like that, but I think they want to make sure that they have options, and I, I think they would be open to adding another defensive end re- regardless of what Keon Keeley does. And so I think that's sort of how like they handled the safety position they they've been open to adding a third safety regardless of what Peyton Bowen's doing, um, and, and continuing to believe that they can keep Peyton Bowen in the class, and that's how they're they've been operating with Keon Keeley. As for as for quarterbacks, it's certainly from my perspective, a completely different story. Should Notre Dame have pursued more quarterbacks sooner? Uh, It's that seems to be the case. The longer Dante Moore went without a public commitment to Notre Dame, um, the more Notre Dame should have been compelled to explore other options sooner. Um, That hasn't been able to make a flip happen yet. We'll see if that changes. Um, To me, I've sort of said, well, if the end, if the end result is Notre Dame getting a, a quality quarterback in the 2023 class, then I don't have as big of a problem with, the way they handled the Dante Moore situation, um, but if they don't and the end result is is bad, then it's like okay that the process didn't work um, and you did not put yourself in a good enough position to to get a quality quarterback in the twenty twenty three class. We can't say that for certain yet because there still is a chance that that changes, but um, it certainly doesn't look the most promising for Notre Dame. But I, I like Kenny Minchie as a prospect, and we'll see if Notre Dame can get some momentum there and try to pull him away from Pittsburgh and. Um, rankle pat narduzzi who is, has been rankled many times before by notre dame and others so that could be that could be somewhat entertaining if that that ends up turning in notre dame's favor all right that's it for today's episode of the inside indy sports podcast if you don't already you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify google podcast and other popular podcast platforms if you like what you hear give us a star rating leave a review and share our podcast feed with a friend We'll we'll be back next week with some reactions to the first practices of the preseason camp, which starts on Friday. Until then, stick with insidendsports.com for all your Notre Dame coverage needs.